Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. Uh, Good morning, Harvest. And uh, thanks, Bob, for reading the scripture for us this morning. Uh, This morning I'd like to share from Matthew 6, 9-13, otherwise known as the Lord's Prayer. And uh, about almost more than a year ago, and I can't believe time has gone by, I did share about the Lord's Prayer with you guys in person. I do miss seeing all of us in person. Um, And I shared the first verse from the Lord's Prayer and talked about how God is our Father and that, you know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I shared about how we can uh, pray through that prayer. Um, And today, actually, I'd like to continue on and talking about and sharing through the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Today I'd like to share from the second verse, but before we get there, I'd just like to point out that we changed location today. Um, You know, this actually is the, both a library and a prayer room here at the Ministry Center. I don't know if all of you guys knew about that, but uh, there is a room in here that people can come and pray, and there's even some prayer requests. You can't see it on the other side of the wall. And I thought that would be just a good location, especially as I'm sharing with you this morning about the Lord's Prayer. And so um, whenever maybe we reach phase five or maybe get a vaccine, people can come out and, and pray in here. Um, this place is usually open. So I'd just like to encourage all of us to know that this is available for those that want to use this to pray. Uh, but this morning, I'd like to just really focus on that second verse uh, in the Lord's Prayer. And... Um, The second verse, and I can read that for us, it reads, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Um, Even though this is a pretty short verse, I think there is just a lot kind of packed in there, a lot to explore. Um, And so really with the time this morning, I'd like to just explore the very first part of it, uh, which is your kingdom come. And even as we think about God's kingdom and praying for his kingdom to come, I bet we heard a lot of different preachers and teachers kind of talk about God's kingdom. And sometimes, you know, even as I was thinking about it, the first thing that comes to mind is sometimes we think about missions, right? That, uh, that we, God, we are praying for the Lord of Harvest to, to bring workers to expand God's kingdom, right? Or we think about the church as a whole, right? And expanding God's kingdom kind of ideas. But I'd like to actually offer a different meaning. Uh, this meaning is more of something that's focused maybe more on us individually. And uh, I'd like to offer this definition. When I, mean, when I say God's kingdom, I mean an area or sphere of influence in which God holds the preeminent position. An area or sphere of influence in which God holds the preeminent position. Now, I didn't come up with that definition solely on my own. That's, you know, just to give a proper reference that was from Merriam-Webster's Dictionary of Kingdom, and I just applied God to that definition. But as we think about God's kingdom, I'd like to think about it in terms of who holds a preeminent position in our life. You know, or to put it another way, as Christians, are we striving to live every part of our life according to God's ways? And I know that sometimes, um, you know, I think a lot of us have been taught that and, you know, we kind of know that. But, you know, really the question is, like, are we actually living that way? 
And I would say even in my own life, I feel that in a lot of ways there are certain parts of my life that I don't feel that I'm really uh, living in a way that uh, has God's authority over that part of my life. And it's still, you know, a growth area for me. And so really I like to focus on that. Why, why aren't we living in the way of where every part of our life is under God's authority? And I'd like to offer that even as we think about why not, and that, that this prayer, God's kingdom come, actually help us change our perspective on these areas. So this morning I'd like to actually talk about three perspectives of why we don't necessarily live under God's authority in every part of our life. And then as we, as we go through those perspectives, I'd like to suggest that praying God's kingdom come will help us change those perspectives. So the first perspective that I like to talk through is uh, that we see living under God's authority only as a standard. We see living under God's authority only as a standard. You know, we know that God's authority should extend on every part of our life. Uh, but a lot of times I think when we look at this, we look at it as a standard to be lived up to. Um, and, you know, and, in some ways it is that God commands us to live every part of our life under his authority, under his kingdom. But I think there is sometimes an unintended consequence when we think this way as God being a standard. We look at it almost as a goal in life, right? So like, um, you know, like I don't know if you guys always do this, but sometimes, or not sometimes, me and Faye actually have made it a practice to think about our goals each year, right? And even as a staff at Harvest, we have 2020 goals that we share with each other to see how we can, uh, you know, work towards something uh, this year in, in our lives. And so sometimes when we think about as a goal, I notice that even in my own life, that when it's a goal, sometimes it feels almost, you know, insurmountable. So for example, I've been trying to exercise more in my life. And uh, that goal of exercise, while it's, it's a noble goal, and, and it was really just something about 30 minutes walking each day. But because of that, it's, it's a goal as a standard, sometimes it, it just, it's important, but not urgent. And so I think when we think about living under God's authority every part of our life, we recognize its importance. But then a lot of times it might not feel as urgent. And I think also another implication is as we think about God's living under God's authority as a standard, I think sometimes we feel guilty when we're not living up to that standard. Um, and, you know, I think that's why with standards, sometimes it's unhelpful because we so focus on how we're not living it out that we feel in a way stuck, that we feel guilty about it. But then at the same time, it feels like there's so many other things going on in our life that we can't really put the energy or the focus or the intention that we want to. And so we're in this perpetual state of feeling guilty, but also, you know, not being able to actually do something about it. But I want us to notice something about this prayer, this part of the prayer about praying for God's kingdom to come. What I want to notice is that this is also an acknowledgement that God's kingdom isn't fully here yet, that his kingdom isn't fully realized yet. And I think that's really important to notice because, like, in a lot of ways, when we think about a Christian life, sometimes we think in terms of standard, we think we have to meet this standard that's way up here. But 
Also, I think it's also important to recognize that even if we're down here, that we can still pray for God's kingdom to extend into our life. And this is really why it's important to pray this prayer. And I would say even important to pray this prayer each day because it's a good reminder for us that God's kingdom isn't here yet, here yet necessarily in our lives, but that we can pray for it. And that even if we aren't doing well spiritually or we feel far from God, this prayer is still an acknowledgement, a confession that his kingdom isn't here yet, but yet we want his kingdom to come into our lives. And as I was thinking about a way to describe this, I, I, I feel like rather than a standard, I think we can think about God's kingdom as a movement. And what I mean by movement is um, similar to as we think about even, you know, the civil rights movement or Black Lives Matter, like movements actually have a beginning and then they kind of have these ebbs and flows. Sometimes they start off and sometimes they don't go anywhere, but sometimes they really uh, like reach a crescendo. Um, and in a lot of ways, I feel like God's movement in our life, he began that work in us. And there's ebbs and flows. And sometimes things don't happen as quickly as we'd like them to be. Or sometimes we feel like, you know, things have kind of died down and God hasn't been a priority in our life. But it's still God began the work in us. And like a movement, we can join him and participate in that movement that he has started in us. And even as I was thinking about movements, you know, as I mentioned before, I was thinking about even the civil rights movement. And I did a little bit of more reading on it, especially in light of uh, Black Lives Matter and everything that's going on, just even to help become more informed about even our own history as Americans and what has happened before, even in this uh, fight against racial injustice and discrimination and things. And as I was reading, I ran across uh, this story about Rosa Parks. And here uh, is a picture of Rosa Parks, and she is, um, one, on one side is her in a bus, uh, sitting in a bus, and that's what she's really known for. Uh, she's known for kind of sparking this Montgomery bus boycott in 1955. And on the left side is her uh, with, you know, getting that uh, picture uh, at the police station. Um, I forget what they call that, but, but anyways, this is her uh, having a picture at the police because she gets arrested uh, for not following the Montgomery law uh, that blacks have to sit in the back of the bus. And, you know, even what's really interesting about the story is this picture is taken uh, when she's 42 years old. So she's not even that young. I mean, I'm 43. It's, it's amazing to think about how Rosa Parks happened uh, to be in that situation and became an activist at that point in her life. And what's so interesting, too, about her story is that when she's on this bus, she actually is a law-abiding citizen. She sits in the back of the bus first. Uh, and then the bus driver, because it was raining outside and stuff, decided to move the indicator where uh, the black people were supposed to sit and moved it back and told her to move. And at that point, she just felt the injustice of it, and she decided to tell him she's not going to move. And then eventually that's why she gets arrested. But the reason I, I share her story, too, is because what's so interesting is this, all, this starts in 1955. And then as she becomes an activist, she actually... Uh, starts um, getting a lot of death threats. And then not only that, but she loses her job. And then her husband also, because her boss, his boss, forbade him to talk about what was happening to his wife, he decides to quit his job. And so in 1957, they actually 
decided to leave Montgomery and move away, um, both because of the job situation, both having no source of income, but also because uh, even in that time uh, that the civil rights movement was kind of budding and starting and she was having some even disagreements with Dr. Martin Luther King about how to even proceed even as they were starting. And so then fast forward later to um, 1968, you know, this is when the Civil Rights Bill is uh, written into law, the Civil Rights Act. And Rosa Parks, even through all that, even though she had to move and everything, she never gave up uh, being an activist for the Civil Rights Movement. She still continued to speak out, even through the difficult times, even through the times where there was a lot of disagreement, even with, you know, today, Dr. Martin Luther King, who, you know, we see as, as the epitome of the Civil Rights Movement. So I, I share this story with you guys because um, just like the civil rights movement, uh, the movement and God in, in our lives can have a lot of ups and downs. And in, in, a, in a lot of ways too, we can at times, you know, not really even agree with what God is doing in our lives. And we can even decide to, to sit out of the movement or even in some ways uh, turn away from it and not participate. But I think it's still helpful to think about God's kingdom come as a movement in our lives because there always is the invitation to join that movement. That God is always, every day, every moment, asking us, are we going to listen to His voice versus our own voice? And really, this is a prayer that we can incorporate into our lives because what we can do is we can ask God, God, I, I don't know what it means to join in this movement, but I want to. Or God, I don't even feel that desire to join in this movement, but God, work in me so that I might even desire to join the movement that you already started in my life. And so this is why I think it's important to pray the Lord's Prayer, especially in light of us thinking of God's authority as just this standard that we're always not meeting up to, that God is still at work in our lives. And even though through the ups and downs, He is faithful in that. So that's the first perspective. The second perspective of why we don't live every part of our lives under God's authority is because if we're honest with ourselves, we see our authority as better. We see that our authority or my authority is better. Now, I know most of us would intellectually agree that God's authority is better, but I think if we take a closer look at our decisions, we'll, we'll kind of see that, are we really listening to God's voice or are we listening to our voice? You know, and I'm not talking about all the time, like if you're looking for a parking spot and it's like, do I take the left spot or the right spot? And then you do a quick prayer and asking God, which spot should I take? I'm not talking about those decisions, but I am talking about decisions that are, are pretty major in life. Like, should I apply for a new job? You know, is, is my current job, you know, is this where I'm supposed to be at, even if it's difficult? Or, you know, how should I spend this bonus that I got this year? Or how should I raise my kids? Or should I date this person or not date this person? There are so many major decisions in our lives that really have long-term consequences. But my question for us today is, do we listen to God's voice during those times, or do we listen uh, to our own? And even as I was thinking about this, and um, you know, sometimes it, even as we think about our own lives, sometimes it's hard for us to discern whether we are or we aren't. 
I was actually reminded of something that Pastor Frank uh, shared about last week. He shared an example from the movie Inside Out. So thank you, Pastor Frank, for uh, giving you know me and Faye that bug because after you shared that, we're like, oh, let's let's watch it again. So we ended up watching it again. But here is a poster of Inside Out, and it, it really it's a story if if you haven't watched it yet about uh, this the mind of an 11 year old girl named Riley, and uh, in this you know poster is the her five emotions her fa- main five emotions, which are joy, sadness, anger, fear, and disgust. And these emotions, it's really a story about uh, Riley moving away from her hometown in Minnesota to San Francisco. And the, you know, the, the trauma it is to move away from all your friends and, all your, and all, everything that you know, and showing how her emotions deal with that change. Now, something that really stood out to me this second time watching uh, Inside Out, and that in this, uh, the, one of the, the main emotion really at the beginning of the movie, uh, her name is Joy. Um, and she uh, really actually st- stood out to me more this time. Uh, I think before I just, you could see Joy as being happy and dancing around stuff, but something I noticed a little bit more subtly was that, that Joy uh, all the time felt that she knew what was best for Riley, that she was kind of the main emotion or main voice in, Ry- uh, in Riley's life. And what also stood out to me was that she kind of treated some of the other emotions as less, especially the emotion of sadness. She kind of looked down on sadness or was annoyed by sadness a lot and kind of dismissed sadness. You know, there's even this one scene where, you know, things are going awry and then, you know, sadness is like, what should I do? And then Joy just draws a circle and she's like, okay, you stand there and be in this circle of sadness, you know. It's just very, in some ways, demeaning, right? I don't even know why I didn't notice that before. But toward the end of the movie, um, you know, as, as the emotions are trying to navigate what Riley is going through, uh, Riley gets to this point where she's um, decided to run away. And she's wanting to run back, take a bus back to her hometown in Minnesota. And she's on this bus. And I think Joy, at this point, she realizes that she, she doesn't know what to do. And she's ended in a rope. And even though she's tried her best throughout the whole movie, to, to really make things right and to do what she thinks is right, she's, she's at the end. And at this moment, she has this sort of epitome that really, in the end, is, is not about her control over her life, but that she needs to actually give up that control and allow other emotions to take the center stage. And at this point, she recognizes that it's sadness that needs to take the center stage and gives that control to sadness. And... By giving control to sadness, uh, you know, Riley again starts recognizing that this is crazy, that she shouldn't be running away and goes back to her parents and they have this really touching, heartwarming moment. But even in that moment, it's, it's very interesting where both there's sadness and joy in that moment. I share this because I feel like in a lot of ways we are like joy. You know, we, we, we think we, we know what's best for ourselves. Um, and that's you know, in a lot of ways, that's very natural. I mean, who else knows, you know, what we see or what we've experienced or things like that? Like, I don't think there's any other human out there that can really understand how we see the world or how we make decisions. But even as we think about our lives, you know, one question I have is, is, is this really the best version of our life? 
Or we like Joy, who even in her uh, trying her best, trying to do what's right for Riley, have we been doing what, as we think was right for our own lives? Have we gotten to a place where, you know, we just feel like this isn't where I wanted to be? This isn't the life that I wanted to live? Uh, or there's maybe some areas where it's just, it's been so difficult for us to, to just navigate what, what we need to do. Is this really the best version of our life? And so this is where I think God's kingdom, praying for God's kingdom, really comes in. Because what I believe is that the best version of our life is the life that God intended for us. Really is, in a way, God's kingdom in our life. And if we think about it, I mean, that, that makes sense. Who else knows our life better than we do? Who else created us other than God, you know? Um, and I think in some ways it's, it's hard to sometimes see that, especially in the midst of everything that's going on in our life. Uh, just even talking with people with young kids, it's just every day is just a grind, a slog, trying to get through it, trying to survive. But I think this is why it's so important to then pray the prayer of God's kingdom come. It's a reminder that even though we're going through a slog, even though we're going through a period where it's just survival mode, that God's kingdom can still enter into that place and that uh, we don't have to try to figure it out all ourselves. And I would just like to even spend a moment to just try to imagine what our best version of our life would be like. Like imagine if our life, if we had more love for our families, even you know when they hurt us, or if we had more joy when disappointment eventually comes, or if we had more peace in our daily stressful lives, or if we had more patience for coworkers who don't seem to care as much as we do, or if we had more kindness to our neighbors and to our friends, or if we had more goodness in our lives in the midst of this chaotic and dark world, or if we had more faithfulness in our relationship with God, or if we had more gentleness to those we love, even when they mess up. And what if we had more self-control in the face of temptation? You know, these really are the fruit of the Spirit. And in, in that way, too, they represent God's kingdom. And I think, really, the call that when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, and even calling us to take on this prayer, is to recognize that we can cry out to God for this fruit. That God does have our best version in mind of our life. And that we can trust him as we pray. That we can pray for this. And even if our life doesn't look that way right now, and even if we feel, again, far from God, but that if we pray for this, God is faithful and we can trust him. And that he can begin to work the best version of our life. So that was another perspective. This last perspective that I'd like to share with you guys is that we don't live every part of our lives under God's authority because we are self-reliant, because we're self-reliant. You know, this is uh, really closely related to the previous perspective of how, you know, we uh, think that our authority is better than God's authority. But, you know, this perspective is more about how we live rather than what we believe or what we uh, think. 
you know, and I, I sometimes find, uh, like, in my own life, that I'm becoming more self-reliant, especially in the times where there's a lot going on. Um, so, like, even uh, for this week, uh, there is uh, not only am I, uh, you know, sharing with you today, but but there's, uh, you know, a lot of other things going on. Uh, for example, we're training for this uh, two by two ministry that I think uh, maybe some of you have heard about a marriage ministry where uh, mentor couples come alongside of uh, mentee couples to walk with them in marriage. And so we're doing some training this Saturday for it and I'm trying to help um, really kind of plan for this training and get it all set up. And so in the midst of this, there's just a lot of moving pieces and I feel like even as I was preparing for this sermon, uh, there was this just strong urge just to get it done, you know, and and not really kind of wait on God to see what He wanted uh, to share with through me to you guys today. And I and I feel like you know, uh, in a lot of ways, uh, self reliance. When we think about it, um, we think about it in terms of like where we just take control of things, and it's all about us deciding what what to do. But then I I don't want to give this false dichotomy between where, you know, between our control over our lives versus God being in control of our lives. I don't think it's necessarily where it's we just give up control and God just kind of takes over, right? And I, th- I think really what's helpful is this verse from Philippians 2, 12 to 13. In this verse, of uh, the, the Apostle Paul puts it so well. He says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And here, I think Paul is really telling the Philippians that it is both uh, their, their salvation, their faith, working out their faith in reverence to God is, is both a work that they have responsibility or control over, but it's also that God has uh, control over. So it's, it's both. And, and maybe in, in some ways that's, that's hard to understand. But, but I, I think it's even similar to um, where, like even in that picture in Inside Out, where at the end, it's a mixture of both joy and sadness. And I think our life, in a lot of ways, is like that. It's, it's, there is both us as individuals that we need to work out our salvation, our faith, uh, in fear and trembling and reverence to God. But it's also God who really is doing uh, the major work in our lives, is giving this us the will, the intention, the desires to to continue to you know work out our faith. And um, I think in a, in a lot of ways, like it, there is the sense of where God is uniquely working in us, because God created us with different personalities, different thoughts, different ways of viewing this world. And I, I really feel that when we become more like Christ, when God is working in us, we just uh, become more of who he meant us to be uniquely. And I think sometimes we think that when God is taking control, when we uh, decide not to be self-reliant and rely on God, that somehow that makes us this, this uniform, uh, bland Christian that we have in our mind, that has no personality, that only sings praises all day, that prays all day. But I think really what God is intending for us, and this is even kind of talking about his kingdom coming, is that he is going to build us 
uniquely into what he intended for us, that again, the best version of ourselves. And that best version of ourselves is not like anybody else's best version of ourselves. So I just wanted to say that even in terms of relying on God, that when we rely on God more, this is not taking away from who we are individuals. In fact, I would say the opposite. I would say that God is making us even more unique in how he created us. And the other thing I I wanted to share about this as I was reflecting on this is that working out our faith is not a matter of behavior, but a matter of posture. It's not a matter of behavior, but a matter of posture. You know, and I, and I think uh, this is it's an easy kind of trap to fall into, even as I think about my own life, is because when I look at my Christian life and how I'm doing spiritually, I think in terms of am I reading you know, my Bible, am I following my reading plan each day? And you know, just to be honest, I'm, I'm behind you know, on my reading plan. So, but a reminder to all you guys out there that uh, continue to persevere. It's good to continue to read. Uh, but again, even in that statement, sometimes we focus so much on the reading plan that we don't realize in the behavior that it's not really about the behavior. Really, I think, really at behind the behavior is a posture. And what I mean by posture is this, that really the reason why we maybe are not reading our Bibles or not praying as much as we'd like to, or not doing the different Christian disciplines or activities that we, in our minds, again, standard, think that we should be doing, is because it's not because of, you know, just because we're not doing spiritual well, but because of the posture of our hearts. The posture of our hearts. Meaning that really we, we stop doing things because in, in a lot of ways our hearts, our desires, have turned to something else, have turned away from God. And I think that is really at the crux of our spiritual life. That where is our posture at? Versus what is, and, and the behaviors really are just symptoms of that posture. And that's the other thing about posture that I think is just, sometimes it's, it's really hard to notice. Um, even in my own life, um, it's hard to see this, but I, more recently, um, as we've been in this whole COVID world, uh, noticed that, you know, I've been getting a lot more like shoulder and neck and lower back pain um, and, and to the point where it was hard for me to sleep. And so then I, you know, I, I've seen a chiropractor before and these things like that and they have adjusted. But again, because of COVID, I didn't want to go see anybody. So I just go, I just went online and started doing a little bit more research. Um, and as I was looking up things, I noticed that over and over again, I, I kept running across articles and videos that talked about really a lot of times lower back pain or shoulder pain is because of our posture. And, uh, and some of you might be like, duh, right? That's, <laughs> of course that is. But for me, it was, it was a revelation. I never, didn't realize that really because I'm sitting all day, even more than I was sitting before, that, uh, that it was because of my sitting posture was causing all this pain. And so then I uh, got this video and started trying to incorporate just this uh, daily stretching routine of just helping with me getting out of that seat and, and and really helping with with my posture, um, and you know, I was thinking about showing you guys, but I won't. Uh, feel that it's embarrassing that how even right now my neck is probably slightly forward and my shoulders are hunched just because, you know, changing posture is not something that will happen overnight. That it takes uh, even a, a daily regimen of stretching to over time fix some of the things that we 
have over time gotten into the bad habits of. And I think that's also true of our spiritual posture, that in a lot of ways, it's not something that we can necessarily change overnight, but it can change. If we're willing to, even for a little bit, you know, pray that God's kingdom would come in our life. And that's the amazing thing about even this prayer of the Lord's Prayer. Even if you read through all of it, which thank you, Bob, again for reading that for us today, that it's, it's such a condensed short prayer, but packed in this short prayer is just so much richness. And th- that's really what I wanted to encourage you guys uh, with today is if, if anything, if, if none of this really spoke to you, the really one thing that I wanted to impart on you is just to be able to sit down, you know, each day or each time that you do find time or you do make time to pray or to spend time with God. It's just to read the Lord's Prayer, reflect on it, and pray on it. And really, that whole thing isn't that long, five, ten minutes max, top. And even uh, before, I remember I felt this conviction uh, to pray, like just getting into that rhythm was really good. Um, and also, just to be honest with myself, I, I fell out of that rhythm. But I think even today, as I'm standing before you, I feel like God is renewing that sense in me, asking me to join in the movement that he started in my life, to, to pray the Lord's Prayer, you know, five, ten minutes a day, to just really sit with him and reflect on this prayer and asking his kingdom to come in my life so that I would be less self-reliant and more reliant on him. And so I'd just like to really end uh, with this thought that um, really when we think about the Christian life, that is really a lot of times less about getting to heaven, but it's more about God breaking into our life. And this is really why I think that that verse really ends with, you know, on earth as it is in heaven. Really, the, the prayer really is asking God, you know, God is, you know, in control of both heavens and earth, but I mean, his main authority is in heaven, but, and on earth, right, we, a lot of us are living our own lives, um, and we see other people, you know, living what they think is right. But this prayer is really asking God to take his authority, his goodness, his kingdom, and breaking into our, our lives, what is on earth. And so really, in a lot of ways, that this prayer is even asking uh, to experience uh, God's goodness and His kingdom today. That it's not something that we have to wait for, uh, that we have to think about that's going to happen way later. Uh, and I think that even feeds into this whole important but not urgent thing. Sometimes we think about God's kingdom and about our Christian life as, oh, I'll get to it someday. But really, what this prayer is saying is, it, do, it doesn't have to be sometime to It can be today. That God is asking us today to pray this prayer with Him so that we would be able to join His movement that He started, so that we'd be able to trust in His authority more than our own um, and to see that He has the best version of our life in mind and to really uh, be able to see that, that every time we pray, we're slowly, you know, you know, making our spiritual posture more in line with His rather than, um, you know, 
our our posture kind of being hunched over and our neck forward. So I just wanted to encourage us uh, this morning that uh, really just to, yeah, just to pray. So uh, with that, um, the the praise team is going to uh, you know, close us in a song and a hymn called I Surrender All. And as the, they are uh, singing that hymn for us, I just encourage you guys to spend that moment even to reflect on the Lord's Prayer and reflect on how God's kingdom can break into our kingdom. Uh, thank you, praise team, uh, for just leading us into that song of reflection of I Surrender All. And let me close our time together with a benediction. May God give you a sense of his presence this week and just remind us that we can continue to turn to him uh, in all that we do and that his kingdom may break into ours and that his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.